What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast, episode 152. I'm here with B-Pimp. B-Pimp, how's it going with you? It's going well. We're almost at the end of my jersey number thing because we're in the 50s, but there is a good 52. Good 52. Why can I not think of who that is? Who is it? It's Brad Miller. Ooh, that is a good one. With the Bulls? Yeah, he switched. I think he switched the first time the Bulls got him to 52 and wore that the rest of his career when he got good and do you remember the thing i liked i liked brad miller as a player when he was on the bulls he was an interesting kind of like odd center where he shot threes and passed a lot he was good it was the model for upcoming centers yeah do you remember when he got in that big fight with shaq and shaq almost like killed him i vaguely remember that (laughs) i saw i watched a video of it recently and i was like oh my god shaq took the biggest wind up and like narrowly missed hitting him right in the back of the head like it looked like if he would have connected, he would have. We would have been talking about like, remember Brad Miller? <laughs> Do you remember poor Brad Miller? Yeah. Well, good for him for surviving that. Yes. Speaking of uh, surviving, I I feel like here in the Bay Area, we are we are just hanging on by a thread before we get washed away. It from has rain? Been, from rain. It has been nonstop. I I believe this two or three week last two or three weeks stretch and it's been raining just about every day a lot uh is a record amount for us and it is definitely a record amount of time that my sump pump in the basement has gone off Uh oh so i don't i'm like concerned our basement is flooding too much it can't be good for our foundation yeah i don't know don't know what to do about it yeah, that's. Uh, I'm. I'm glad that we don't have a basement because that would freak me out. Probably. I don't know. You can, is there like a company that specializes that could come and just like give you an assessment or something about that? I think maybe we should do it because actually we knew our foundation had problems even when we bought the house, and we ignored them. So uh, it it might be useful to do. I also think, yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, it hasn't just been affecting our house like the. Oakland Zoo is closed because there's a giant sinkhole in the entrance road. Holy shit. Yeah, it's been uh, the road that Maggie likes to take to drive to ro- uh, to work uh, in Fremont, which is south of us. That's closed as well with some like flooding issues. It's been crazy here. Oh, my God. So you're not kidding. It's like the you got to start building an arc. Yeah, start. There's a couple of videos you should look at of Santa Cruz, California, where waves and excess water are just like, like hitting houses. Oh no! Is that where we? Is that the place we visited to go to that brewery that has? Oh, close. That was. There's a lot of Santas around. That was Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa, your uh, Russian river is. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Santa Cruz is actually the other direction. It's south, and it's got a cool boardwalk oh. that uh, Elena really loves. Oh, nice. But on the plus side, I've been figuring out all the indoor activities that I can do with a three-year-old. And some of them have been pretty good. What kind of stuff? What's your highlights? Mostly museum-y type places, but we went to the Exploratorium in San Francisco for the first time. It's kind of by the Ferry Building, and it's very interactive and kind of just a shit show, but it's great for little kids. Oh, nice. And uh, we went to the Chabot Space and Science Museum, which also has a planetarium. 
And we went to one other place that's right behind Berkeley, and I'm forgetting what the name of it is. But uh, yeah, we've been we've been looking at them. Nice. And she's she's enjoying these experiences. Yeah. No, she really is. There's. I remember loving that as a kid. Museum trips. Totally. There's one. I think it's the best out of all of them that I haven't gone to yet. It's in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. I actually forget what it's called off the top of my head right now, but it's the only reason I haven't gone yet is because it's just like kind of pricey for an adult. It's like $45. And for a kid ages three to 12, it's like $35. They're only getting $10 off. Yeah. (laughs) So just with Elena, even though Malcolm would probably be free, it'd be like 80 bucks. And if Maggie came, it'd be 125. I mean, come on. Jeez, I'm going to a wrestling show next week, and I bought tickets, and the kids were tickets were free. They're just oh. letting, you just bring kids. All right, we're going to wrestling shows then. There you go. Those are indoors, right or no? Yeah, mostly. Actually, it's funny. The one I'm going to is the uh, the um, a guy I went to high school with who became the principal of our high school runs this wrestling promotion from Marion Catholic High School. That's like their base. So they had outdoor shows at my high school like in the football field whoa and they've gotten huge like they're one of the biggest like there's sh- these shows the one i'm going to is going to be on pay-per-view like it's crazy holy smokes yeah well that'll be cool when are you going it's next saturday in south bend indiana all right you'll have to let us know how it is and aew is going to be in san francisco for their big show in march oh. so you actually could go if you wanted to Okay. Where are they playing at the Chase Center? Do you know? Yeah. I still mm-hmm. haven't been there. I'm going to hopefully go for uh, uh, a Warriors game in a couple of weeks, but I have yet to check out that arena. It looks amazing on TV, but yeah, yeah. It, would be, it would be cool to see it up front. Some of these new arenas are just unbelievable. Yeah. And I like that they're, especially with the basketball arenas, they're, for the most part, they're not making them too big. Yeah. They keep that like, intensity of the crowd and stuff i like that you want like that uh like especially with a basketball game you just don't want to be like the very top row of the united center is like pretty bad yeah (laughs) you hear like the echo of what's happening on the court (laughs) yeah yeah, that's it (laughs) yeah uh but and i've definitely sat in that top row too Uh uh-huh but uh yeah we are talking sports for this episode our 152nd episode and we're going to be talking about this is like, you know, when we talk about the intimacy of basketball arenas, these are things that are near and dear to our heart. These are our top five most heartbreaking uh, transactions. Yeah. Get and, ready to get your Kleenex. Yes. This is uh, how do you stomp on somebody's childhood heart? Yeah reading away their favorite player or whatever the case might be, but we got a list of five of those. It's like the Simpsons when you, they show the replay of, of Ralph Wiggum's heartbreaking when mm-hmm. Lisa turns him down. Yeah. Poor Ralph. Before we get into it though, I've, I've got a whiskey and I've actually had this whiskey for a few weeks. I've been on this every time we record and I know I have to buy a whiskey I go buy a whiskey, but I forgot for like a, almost a couple of months in a row, I should say that I was one whiskey ahead that one time before we were recording, I bought two whiskeys and I kept forgetting that I did that. So, so I you're constantly ahead, constantly <laughs> ahead, which means I didn't have to buy a whiskey within the last week. Uh, and this one that I'm trying 
is Teeling Whiskey Small Batch, the Spirit of Dublin. Uh, it's an Irish whiskey product of Ireland, 46% alcohol. Um, it says Dublin born, natural character. Uh, anything else fun about it? It's an interesting looking bottle. It is. I like it. Its price point is pretty low. I got it for, well, I ripped the price tag off, but I think it was like about $28. Not bad. 750 milliliters. Um, it's imported out of Coral Gables, Florida, but it is crafted and bottled by the Teeling Whiskey Company in Newmarket, Dublin 8, Ireland. I don't know why it's called Dublin 8. It's the, um, it's like the one, it's the eighth ah, multiverse version. I don't know why addresses are different in Ireland. You know, I'm going there for the first time. Ooh, I didn't heard about this. Yeah, not until next fall for a friend's wedding. But I've never been to Ireland before, so we'll see what it's like. Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so I just poured it uh, in my normal whiskey drinking glass. Got it on the rocks. Pretty light color, actually. I mean, the bottle is so tinted that I had no idea how it would come out. Uh, but it's pretty light. Yep, I can see that. Very light, caramely color. That's a pretty intense smell, I actually got to say. Sometimes I think having a whiskey on ice actually, I think it makes the smell stronger, but I could be wrong. No, I think that's true. It kind of kicks up the molecules and makes it easier to smell, I think. Yeah, okay. Because as soon as I said I could be wrong, I was like, but I'm not. You're not. You're right. I, <laughs> I could be wrong, but I can't be wrong. No, I, I can't be wrong about this. <laughs> But yeah, pretty good smell. A little bit strong. Uh, I'm going to give it a little swirl and taste and see how it goes. I'm very intrigued by this. I don't know anything about it, so I have no preconceived notion of what you might expect. It is a slightly different taste. It almost has like a... I, I, I don't think this is like the right description exactly, but it almost has like a slightly creamy taste. Oh, interesting like almost a just a thickness to it that i can't quite put my finger on is it like a vanilla a vanilla e yeah i okay. think that's what it is like something a little bit vanilla -y. it's definitely got that note i want to check out the bottle to see if it describes some notes that uh i should be catching it really does not i remember having that before and when I've, i can't remember pinpoint which one it was but i remember having that too like that what you're experiencing with that one now it does say it's uh cask aged uh irish whiskey which is given further maturation in x rum barrels imparting a unique dried fruit character and it does i think i was tasting what seemed a little bit like vanilla a little bit fruity something is definitely in there okay that's an interesting combo yeah is not not the taste profile I was necessarily expecting. Not from it being an Irish whiskey and not from the smell, but let me give it another try. The second sip. That taste has a little bit more burn to it, but not too strong. It's not going in any kind of like particularly metallic direction. I'm getting a little bit less sweetness this time. So this is a really tough one to put my finger on. I think mentally I was preparing myself for me to not like it at all. 
And that's definitely not the case. That's good. But the real question is, does it have enough to get it on that train? Can it make that step up onto the smooth train? Yeah. I, uh, I go with Elena every so often to the Tilden Park little train. It's this tiny little steam train that we go on. It would have enough to get on that train, but that's a baby train. That's a, yeah, smooth train junior. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a full-on smooth train with uh, regulation track size. All right, let me give it that third sip and I'll, I'll make a call. <laughs> regulation track size, that might be the episode title. Yeah. <laughs> With that third step, I, I'm getting that little sweetness again. Oof. Can you discern the rum beyond this flavor that you're the rum barrel influence, or do you think that is what it is? Like that fruit? I think that is what it is. It's like, okay. it's like weird little marble of sweetness that seems to like stick in under my tongue. And I, I can't, it's just like, it, it didn't even happen on the second sip. It's as if, I'm drinking like a boba tea and these little <laughs> tapioca bubbles are like coming in sometimes, which sounds gross. I don't mean it to sound that like that, but uh, it is like a sneaky little shot of sweetness. I think if I'm being totally honest as a sipping whiskey, I would not want something with this taste profile. Mm -hmm. It's not giving me, I don't expect it to give me the warmth of a bourbon, but it gives me like zero of that. Uh, so though it is very borderline and I know I have just uh, a reputation for being a little strict on my whiskeys, I'm going to have to stick to that. I'm going to give it the boot. Hey, you know, it's, you gave it a, you gave it a long deliberation and a fair shot. That's all we can ask for. I think so too. And it, it, again, it's not a strong boot. It's not a steel toed boot. It's just like, it's like an UGG boot. It's not going to hurt much, but still it, I can't let it on the train. It physically won't be in pain. It's just the indignity of not making it on the train <laughs> and the indignity of being kicked by somebody who has Uggs on. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, why are you wearing Uggs? Get away from me. Yeah. I'm a whiskey. What are, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, all right. So teeling, if you're curious, try it. But again, I can't actually recommend it. Uh, it does have an interesting flavor profile though. All right. Let's go back to talk about heartbreaking sports transactions. What would you say B pimp is your age, age of childhood where you were most, most likely to get your heart broken by a sports team? Like what is your peak fandom? I would say maybe between like 10 and 12 mm -hmm. I for, ba for baseball. Cause I played baseball and loved Robin Ventura on the white Sox, And I like wore his number and played third base and all that stuff. So I was just like obsessed with the white Sox. That's why I told you beforehand, spoiler alert. I have a lot of white Sox on this, on this list because of that. I think totally cut it. Yeah. Can what I about you at same age? Yes, I would extend the 10 to nine, but that nine to 12 spot, which basic, actually, I wouldn't even go all the way to 12. I think I would say nine to 11, because that would take me through 1994 when the Sonics were upset in the first round uh, by the Denver Nuggets, which is the most heartbroken I have ever been, period. Yeah. 
Dikembe Mutombo crying on the ground and you were crying somewhere else. Yeah. And actually, I'll take that back. I'll say 9 to 12 because 12 would take me to 1997, which is was the year of one of my big heartbreakers on my list. Okay. So, yeah, definitely those are the, the ages in there. It's the ages where you start to really know a lot about sports, but you still have a certain naivete about like the players are your players. Yeah. And you, for me, a big thing, I'll talk about it more later on the list when we get into the list. But one of the things I kept going back to with this is when you're, when you're like childhood innocence of like, you idolize these sports, these athletes and stuff, but then you kind of learn how much of the business side of sports impacts like, a team's willingness to try and all that kind of stuff where you're like, Oh my God, it just completely ruins like all of that unadulterated, like joy you have as a kid about the sports, you know? Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, all right. Are you ready to get into it? I'm ready. Let's do it. These are our top five most heartbreaking sports transactions. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right, B-Pimp, what's your number five? Okay, so my number five happened when I was 16, so it was a little after um, what we were just talking about, but it is the White Sox. Um, in in this December of 2002, after that 2002 season, the White Sox traded their closer, Keith Folk, to the Oakland A's mm. for Billy Koch. Who was, it was basically a challenge trade. It was like, we're sending you our closer, and we're taking your closer. Um, I think it was because Keith Folk had uh, his contract coming up soon and they didn't want to pay him and Billy Koch already had a contract. So this is that, you know, the business of sports type thing, but Keith Folk was such a beloved for me, like super awesome closer, excellent pitcher. He went in right after they traded him to have like four great, amazing years in a row. And -hmm. it was just like, like, I'm so sick of the White Sox doing that. And I remember specifically that one bumming me out a lot totally get it those yeah those kind of deals are are hard to understand yeah all right my number five you're gonna hate me for this because this trade actually didn't happen Mm. but i put it on my list anyway because it was very very close to happening and it was about the most upset i have ever been in a trade so I, i had to put it on my list even though it technically was not a trade that occurred Okay. Part of the reason that I heard later that it didn't occur, Barry Ackerley, who I think was the owner of the Sonics at the time, he, I believe, said that they didn't go through with the trade because people threatened to burn the arena down if they did this. <laughs> wow. I don't know how real that was. Uh, and I'm, I might be doing some kind of like misremembering or poor paraphrasing, but this trade did not happen. It almost happened. It is the 1994 almost trade of Sean Kemp for Scottie Pippen. Ooh, how, come, how have I not heard about this? Have we talked about this before? I don't know if we have, but it was so close. And I remember my dad telling me, you know, they're trading Sean Kemp. And my first thought was like, no, they, they can't do that. No. They can't do that. Like he's just entering his prime. They had that obviously disappointing first round exit, but we were going to bounce back and you trade him to one of my most hated teams. Yep. No, 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 man. What an alternate universe that would be to find out what happened if that trade had gone down. 
It would have been crazy. Uh, so apologize for putting a non-trade on my list, but I, it had to get some recognition there. That's so interesting. Cause that would have been, that was the year that Jordan retired. So that would have been like the bulls doing like a, I mean, I don't know. I would have been, I love Scotty Pippen, but Sean Kemp is awesome. I, I probably would have been like confused, but then like, Oh wait, Sean Kemp is great. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I, it. I don't even mean this as like, I genuinely don't know what that would have done for either team. Yeah. It's, it would have totally changed the way they both played. Yeah. Completely. Would be interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. What's your number four? My number four, it's probably on your list. I would imagine probably higher, but it's, and this is the reason I have this on there is because I was always a, I was always kind of a pseudo Mariners fan. Um, for some reason, like way back in the day, even before we were friends and like, I grew to like follow Seattle teams more because of you obviously too. But when the Mariners traded um, Griffey to the Reds in 2000, that was just, that was just garbage. Like I get, like I went back and looked at the context around it and I understand like he had, he had personal reasons for wanting to like be closer to family and stuff. I think like that, but he's just like, his all the video games with Ken Griffey Jr. in them that I loved, like yeah. him being such a, a likable person and great player, I was just like, why? Like it didn't make any sense to me why like somebody so in, like entrenched with that franchise when, when that they would even entertain the idea of trading him. So it is crazy that they did that. Believe it or not, that's actually not on my list at all. Oh, okay. Honorable mention. I think the only reason is I did like Griffey a lot. He was never my favorite Mariner. And I honestly, I liked Mike Cameron a lot, who was part of that trade. Oh, yeah. Mike Cameron not only was he a, a pretty good player, a pretty good fielder, and he had a four home run game, which is pretty sweet, I think, against the White Sox, right? It was at, yeah, it was against the White Sox at USL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's also turned into a pretty good broadcaster. Is he broadcasting for the Mariners? Yeah. Oh, nice. I always liked him. Yeah, I like him a lot. All that's to say, like, yeah, Griffey leaving was too bad. But it, I think it also just fell in a, a time that was like, I, maybe I forget it because the Mariners made the playoffs in 2000 and then they were amazing in 2001. Well, Ichiro came right after he left. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was his rookie year. I think if that had trade had it happened maybe earlier, like 1995 or 1997 or something like that, it would have hit me different. Yeah, that would have been crazy. I'm, yeah, I'm guess, I guess I'm surprised, but not totally. Now that I've we've talked about it, I can see like that not quite making the list. Especially, I know that you're you've always been a primarily a Sonics guy. So true. I do have a couple of Mariners ones on here though, and actually, surprise this one might surprise you, but I think part of the reason for this is because it hit me right in that age where I cared. The Mariners had just come off. This is my number four, by the way. The Mariners had just come off. The first time they had ever made the playoffs in 1995, mm -hmm. the team had coalesced in such a pleasant way. And then they did this inexplicable trade with the Yankees where they traded Tino Martinez and Jeff Nelson. Jeff Nelson ended up being like the setup man for Mariano Rivera. Tino Martinez ended up being great for several seasons uh, for Russ Davis and Sterling Hitchcock. Russ Davis was, I think, like a third baseman, right? Yeah, and third baseman slash bench. Okay. 
Man, Jeff Nelson, like maybe one of the best top two or three setup men ever. You want to know another fun fact about Jeff Nelson? This is no joke. He would referee middle school and high school basketball games around the Seattle area. Huh. Interesting. He's really tall too. So he's, he's not, not noticeable. He's like, I think six, seven or six, eight. Yeah. Yeah. And he threw uh, side. Yeah. But I remember he didn't, he didn't ref my game, but he refed a game right before I played. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I can't think of, I'm trying to think of more random person to show up as a ref. Yeah. Like why you definitely don't need the money. It's not yeah. even your sport. It was just like baffling. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. What's your number three? My number three is, um, basically a, it's kind of a bunch of transactions that happened in a three day stretch in 1999 after the bulls last championship where they here's here's, it was staggering to me to see that this all happened between January 21st and January 23rd of 1999. They yeah. Phil Jackson announced he wasn't going to come back. So they immediately re- renounced the rights to Jordan and Dennis Rodman. Then they traded Steve Kerr, Scottie Pippen, and Luke Longley for a giant collection of no names and draft picks that they wasted. Basically just a complete mess yeah. of how to tear down that team. And I get like once Jordan, once the relationship was fractured and like they weren't going to go on, they probably like everybody knew that. So, I mean, it probably takes away your leverage, but it's just like stunning how crazy that was for that to all happen in like three days. <laughs> Yeah, and now I'm remembering the reason that all that happened so late was because there was a lockout that season. Yes, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. That was when the Spurs won, like, the shortened title. Game season or something, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I think the Spurs and Knicks played in that finals, if I remember right. I remember right. The Sonics, like, missed the playoffs entirely, which was the first time in my fandom I had ever seen that happen. Yeah. I almost didn't think it was possible. Yeah. This led this led this transaction I just mentioned led into the saddest stretch. I mean, listen, I understand the Bulls. I'm spoiled rotten as a Bulls fan. We had six titles. I cannot complain about that whatsoever. But mm-hmm. how bad the Bulls were for those years in the early 2000s is just hilarious. <laughs> like it was so bad. I remember seeing a poster for Chicago Bulls basketball in Chicago on one of my visits. Uh, probably around 2001, 2002, somewhere in there that said, you know, come to the United Center, watch the Bulls. And on the poster was like Benny the Bull and then some halftime act that was fun and a bunch of like some cheerleaders. And there was literally no one on the Bulls in a basketball uniform on the poster. Like I have never seen a more blatant. We know our team is awful, but it'll still be a fun time. Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't get uh, you know Dolly Board Bagarich to. Pose <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was uh, hilarious. Yeah, right. Number three, my number three is it's not a heartbreak so much as a heartache, and this was the 2012 trade of Ichiro to some minor leaguers uh, on the Yankees. Yeah. Another Yankees trade. I think it adds that I hate the Yankees. Yeah. But what it was, not that Ichiro shouldn't have gone to the Yankees or anything like that. Like, go, go have fun, try to win some games. 
I think what made me sad about it was that actual feeling like outside of your rookie year, we wasted your entire career. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Such such an amazing player and fun player to watch. Like I feel like every year, 2001 through 2010 or 12, he was like just a top five, most fun player to watch. Oh yeah. Cannon of an arm. Love the way he would hustle out infield hits. Everything looked unorthodox and it was just cool. And the Mariners were just awful for like almost his entire career. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I hate when you see that, like, especially when it's likable players, it's happening now. Like trying to think I was, um, I can't remember which if it was baseball or basketball, but that's happening now. I was just thinking about this. Like, I hate when that, when teams do that kind of in a way you can kind of say like the wizards with Bradley Beal. Cause I kind of like Bradley Beal and they just seem to not be able to get enough pieces around him to do anything. Yeah. I think the best baseball example is depending on who you like, but like the angels, like they can't do it. Oh yes. Or Otani, like, come on, you have some amazing players. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, All right. What's your number two? My number two is in 2005, after the White Sox won the first World Series, first and only World Series of my lifetime, they released Frank Thomas. You're not allowed to release him. Straight up released him. I know. And then he went and had, okay, the year after that, he went to the A's and was fourth in AL MVP voting that year after they released him. And then had a number of good years in Toronto, too. So he was not done. It was just more stupid White Sox nonsense. That is stupid. I did not remember him having that good of a year. He did. He had an MVP. He he batted cleanup for the A's all year, DH, and hit like 37 home runs. He had like a great year. Wow. I I heard later that he just had beef with like the White Sox leadership because the way they treated him during the – he was hurt for a couple years there, but then they won the World Series and were just like, see ya. Like, that's it. You know, we need to get Adam Dunn in here to be terrible. So, yeah, that's just not how you treat somebody who's like brought people to the stadium for the last 13, 14 years. Yeah, one of the greatest players in the team's history, like an awesome, like just awesome hitter. And my, one of my favorites, but yeah, it was a bummer. Just like purely intimidating, too. Like, what an appropriate nickname for him. Yeah, I think he was like 6'5", like 270 or something like that. He's just huge. Yeah, he was enormous. Uh, and now he does like low-T ads. <laughs> I just saw one this morning watching like college basketball. They had a commercial for it. Yeah. Uh, all right. My number two is 1997's the time this Sean Kemp trade actually happened. Sean Kemp going to the Cleveland Cavaliers in a three-team trade that brought Milwaukee Bucks's, uh Vin Baker over to the Sonics. Good old Vin Baker. Good old Vin Baker. He actually had a fine one season with the Sonics. Then the lockout season happened and he reported way out of shape and was basically terrible for the rest of his Sonics tenure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, truthfully, Sean Kemp had a couple of pretty good seasons on the Cavs, but then he went downhill too. But it's just, just hard to watch your favorite player of all time leave and it was just the end of an era yeah the sonics even though they i think they went to the second round of the playoffs for the first uh season that vin baker was in town but i feel like once they traded sean kemp i was like 
the the window is closed. Yeah, twelve year old, I knew the window is closed. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. That's the idea of this list basically encapsulated there. And I mean, like they had to trade him because he was disgruntled because for whatever reason, like we paid Jim McIlvain more than Sean Kemp's contract to be a center who was not at all good. So it's just yeah, tough stuff there. Jim McIlvain with the awesome flat top. Yeah, that was a pretty sweet flat top. I'll give him that. Yeah. All right. What's your number one? My number one is also the White Sox. This happened when I was 11. So it was in the sweet spot of what we talked about at the beginning. And this was the transaction that told me as an 11 year old that turned me into the cynic that I am today because Mm. I, I don't know if you remember, but it's, it's known as the white flag trade because the Sox were three games behind the Cleveland baseball team. Mm. And they traded like three pitchers. Let's see. Did I write down all the people? I didn't, but they basically traded uh, Wilson Alvarez was one for sure. A very good starting pitcher. I think it was Danny Darwin, another good starting pitcher and a reliever reliever to the um, giants, I believe. And just like got a bunch of minor leaguers back and they gave up basically on the season. They said, we're three games back, but there's no way we're good enough to try to compete. So we're just going to give up. And I was like, that didn't happen then. And then I read an article about this when I was researching this and people are trying to spin it and say like Jerry Reinsdorf was ahead of his time because now teams do that all the time and just decide like, Oh, even though we're kind of close, we're, we're actually not good. So we're just going to give up. And I'm like, I don't know. It's different in every scenario. I feel like, and this was clearly just him being cheap. So I don't buy it. It's definitely him being cheap. And on top of that, that is a nonsense argument for baseball. Yeah, it is. If you are in striking distance of the playoffs and you get into the playoffs, it's a crapshoot. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. And I, so I remember being a kid and being like, what the, I was trying to like make sense of like, why would this, why, like, if this is the team I'm trying to waste all this energy on supporting and like, this is how they do business. Like it's garbage. Yeah, no, I, I feel you on that one. That is, uh, it's really hard to see trades like that. Yep. All right. My number one, maybe you could argue like my number five, this shouldn't even fit in this category, but how could it not? It's the trading of the Seattle Supersonics to Oklahoma City for nothing. Oh, yeah. That's pretty brutal. The, I, think, I think the reason that this fits is because we called it a sports transaction. It's a transaction. Yeah. No, it is. That. Yeah, it is. Uh, and even though, you know what I can't imagine? So I was 23 years old, I think, when this actually happened, 2008. What I can't imagine is what this would have felt like to me if I was like 11. I would have been, I would have been like, what they can do that. <laughs> yeah. And what's hilarious is growing up in Seattle, basically every sports team threatened to move at some point, but never did the Seahawks threatened to move. The Mariners almost moved to Florida at some point, And then they got a new stadium. So I was actually kind of used to those types of threats. Yeah. And then when this was threatened, and then they actually sold to a guy from Oklahoma city. I was like, Oh no, it, it's actually going to happen this time. Yeah. And then I did Oklahoma shooting. Yeah. 
And you know what sucks is for you right now they're actually kind of feisty. The Thunder they're kind of feisty. Uh, they have some interesting pieces, and Shay Shay is good. Giddy is getting better. Yeah. Whenever Chet Holmgren plays again, yeah, they could be interesting. I, I'm probably well this season. Maybe they can make the the plan or something like that. But next season, they could be good. Yeah. I think what's also funny is they have two players named Jalen Williams. Yep. <laughs> they, also, they also have a T man, but it's not Terrence man. And they have an A Wiggins, but it's not Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> yeah. They have just like some weird players that you read their box score. You're like, what is going on here? And Pokashevsky, who looks like he's like, he weighs like 85 pounds. Yes. I, I never feel good when I'm considerably heavier than a guy who is 10 inches taller than me. I, I don't know how that dude, he's out right now with an injury, but I don't know how he's not like consistently just getting destroyed. I don't know how the wind hasn't just carried him away. <laughs> yeah, he goes to shoot a three and he just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> swats into the stands. I don't know. I do like SGA is like, he is so good. I'm so annoyed. They just beat the Bulls and like pretty handily too. I was like, God damn it. Yeah, stupid thunder. <sighs> stupid thunder. But yeah, I uh that's that's got to be number 1, especially I mean it'd be number 1 anyway, I think, but especially that we are talking about something that happened in 2008 and it still hasn't been uh corrected. Yeah. Although every year we, I know it's going to happen and then we're going to have a I don't know, we'll have some kind of celebration. Maybe we'll have a live recording outside the stadium. I just my children cannot grow up without a basketball team in Seattle. No. Elena's already three, and she's not going to have professional sports real fandom yet. But by the time she gets to six, there better be something in place. Yeah. You need to be giving her Seattle basketball team supersonic cereal every day, and there needs to be marketing and stuff that you can buy. So they have to have a team. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you have any honorable mentions? That just I, think, I think I do. Yes, I do. Um, I actually was pretty heartbroken when the Bulls traded uh, Ron Artest and Brad Miller for Jalen Rose because I just really liked Ron Artest and Brad Miller at the time. And I, I Jalen Rose was good when they got him. He had like he had like he scored like twenty three points a game or something like that. But I mean, they had a they were bad. And it, yeah. A fun fact about that trade is that it resulted in Jalen Rose playing 83 games that season. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because a lot of times players take full advantage of whatever the 24 or 48-hour window they have. But Jalen Rose tells the story where he was traded to the Bulls and he, like, played that night. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, I will play. Get me out there. 83 games that season. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I had uh, also with Bulls when they traded Elton Brand for Tyson Chandler. Uh, that sucked. Ellen Brand was great. Um, the Bears traded Thomas Jones to the Jets in strictly a move to save money. And he was like a really, really good running back who um, they got a terrible draft pick for. And I was just like, you're stupid. Um, I didn't like that the Bulls let Jamal Crawford walk because he's awesome. <laughs> and they just kind of like, we're, we don't want you. And then he went on to have like an awesome career. And then uh, the Bears trading Greg Olson because their offensive coordinator was stupid and didn't know how to use him. Yeah, no, that's a good list. Uh, mine were, well, a couple of Sonics trades. One I'll, I'll leave off entirely, but I, this only speaks to how I was as a kid because I, I really like that left Trump now, but 
Uh, I really like Derek McKee too. So yeah. that trade, and I think that was in 90, ooh, 93 or 94. I should have looked at the year. I think it was 94. And that was to the Pacers, right? Yeah. Uh, Griffey to the Reds. And this one I couldn't put on my list because I don't actually remember it, but I just think it's such a funny trade in Sonic's history that Scottie Pippen for Olden Polonese in 1987. Oh, that's right. That's how they got him in the first place. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had a lot of opportunities to get Scottie Pippen, and I just not pulled the trigger. I feel like Scottie Pippen would have been awesome on that team, too. Like, especially if they had him and Kemp. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah. Or, like, defensively between Scottie Pippen and Gary Payton on the wings. Could you imagine that? They Ooh. probably would have won every championship of the entire 90s. Like, yeah, that'd be rough. Uh, all right. Folks at home, if you have memorable, heartbreaking sports transactions that you want to tell us about go ahead and hit us up on our email whiskey sessions music at gmail.com we will read your email on a future episode but we've got to get to your emails for this episode uh so let's do it these are your emails you sent us emails to read emails and now we'll read them all right b pimp what do we got in the old email inbox Dear West Whiskey Sessions, I think you missed an episode in your most recent episode. I almost had an episode. I got so upset. You had no episodes from, oh my God, stop saying episodes. You had so many episodes <laughs> from, or you had no episodes from Nathan for you, which is one of the greatest shows of all time. Sincerely, not Nathan Fielder. Huh. Well, I watched that show a little bit. And then I, I, Maggie and I also watched two episodes of his HBO show which I'm just forgetting the name of. Oh, the uh, audition? Is that what it's called? Or something? Or the rehearsal? Rehearsal. Yeah. And he is really, really funny and definitely really, really smart. But there was even something about that last show where I was like, we watched two episodes and then we were just like, eh. Is that, I haven't watched it yet. I was curious what you were going to think of it. The first episode is really good. I, it definitely like kind of the second episode is not as strong. There's something almost too like, I can't really tell what's real and what's not. It feels at times almost more mean spirited than I care for. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. <sighs> yeah. That's something I struggle with. I think his Nathan, I think Nathan for you generally was on the right side of that line for me, but sometimes I'm like, I don't know because he's so deadpan like anybody that's unsuspecting it's just like he can do whatever he wants basically yeah uh, but yeah I couldn't put any Nathan for you episode on it but if one was going to go on it'd probably be the dumb Starbucks oh yeah that was great Yeah, I really like the one where he sets up the whole game show of him like where it's going to like pull his pants off possibly in front of all those kids if he doesn't <laughs> if he doesn't like <laughs> get the key out in time or something to like unhook himself it's crazy <laughs> Uh, all right. I got an email that says, Hey gents, happy 2023. If you had a magic wand and could change one thing about the world for the new year, what would it be? I, and this is from Arlo and Sheridan, Wyoming. For me, it is, I would eliminate every push to walk button at every crosswalk in the world. Oh, just have that as part of your cycle. Don't make pedestrians work extra hard to cross the street. If anything, I would take that out and then I would add in, if you are driving a car, 
the light is automatically red. And when you get to the intersection, you have to get out of your car and press a button. That is awesome. Yeah. That's what I, I thought. What, what would your thought be? Cause I have a, I know this isn't true because I know that I don't think the technology exists, but there is a light um, real close where Lisa and I walk a lot in our neighborhood that I feel like whenever we get to this intersection to cross, it changes pretty quick. It doesn't have a button. I want, is there a, has anybody ever tried to do like weight sensors? Oh, like, yeah. Is that happened already? Yes. And there's like a lot of different sensor technology that could take place. Like I am often working with transit agencies who will have technology on a vehicle that will basically it'll be pinging from the bus to hit the light, to let it know to change green. Uh, like that definitely exists. Okay. Um, and I think, I think the weight sensors definitely exist on roads. I'm, I'm not sure on the pedestrian front, but I would not be surprised. That's what I was curious about. If they could put them in all the sidewalks so that you don't have to have that. And just if there's somebody standing there where they need to wait to cross it automatically lets them cross. Like that's how it should be. Right. I, I think so. it will be great. All right. Again, if you uh, want to email us, go ahead and hit us up. Whiskey sessions, music at gmail.com. That does it for this heartbreaking sports episode. Be pimp. Do you have any words of wisdom to leave our listeners with? Get back to reality, Sonics. We need you back in the NBA. We really do. Back to reality. Oops. There's goes gravity. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, until next time, this is A Matt saying peace out. And Deepin saying bye bye.